Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. We are looking at John Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. And back with us today, we have Niall McGowan from The Bat Minute. Welcome back. Oh, happy, happy to come back, guys. Um, I will say just the beginning, though, because I wrote, uh, wrote down on my Audacity project, like Iron Man 2. Uh, and it just reminded me, like, have you, obviously, you guys will be covering it in much more depth uh, when you get to that movie, but. Uh, have you ever seen the video of the uh, the Adam Buxton uh, Iron Man two Tom Waits spinoff single? No, I have not. Oh, it's incredible! It's like he's he's done uh, like yeah, just the oh, what if Iron Man two had a spinoff single done by Tom Waits? And it's just like it's him <laughs> doing the the voice and stuff. It's all clips from the movie, but it's just like a real prepare for excitement. Tony Stark is back. <laughs> That's really well written as well. <laughs> but That's awesome. I'm going to totally have to check that out. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm watching it right now. It's fantastic. <laughs> this is amazing going right in the show notes. <laughs> Today, we are looking at minute 112 of Iron Man. On today's show, the minute starts with Obadiah gazing longingly into the head of his beheaded opponent. And it ends with Obadiah midway through his monologuing. This is top-notch uh, villain stuff that we have going on here in this particular minute. Mm. It's uh, we talked about at the very end of uh, the minute uh, yesterday. We had uh, we saw Ironmonger holding Iron Man's head in his hand as he's kind of gazing at it as uh, as Hamlet does when he's gazing into the skull of his. Uh, Alas, poor Yorick, where are thy jibes? I knew, now? I knew him. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very interesting, but then he crushes it and tosses it, and uh, it's just like a... a practical question. And I don't need to perseverate on this, but how is the helmet powered in this sort of decapitated state? Right, it still has lights on it, and when he crushes it, it's sparking and flying. Is there like a separate power unit in the helmet? Is that what we're led to believe? That's a great question, and it does it does make me wonder. I mean, it must have something to keep it going um, in case. Uh, Tony's operating it, and it does uh, somehow the connection between it and the arc reactor in his chest is is separated. He obviously still needs to be able to see and operate. So I would think it does, but still, it does strike me as odd, especially the fact that the eyes are light up. Like, I don't mind the sparks and stuff coming out of it, but the lit up eyes is a little strange. It looks very cool, but, uh, you know, that's a reach. Never watch this movie one minute at a time. That's the rule. It's, it's weird though, and this this line and the way it's set up, um, it really reminded me of uh, stuff that would happen in Infinity War, uh, or not even in Infinity War, in the promotional material for it. Um, and I know, like looking back now, because I'm doing a big rewatch of all the movies in the lead up to Endgame, which Endgame will be probably long out by the time this episode airs as well. <laughs> but oh yeah, yeah right. Um, but the like you notice little things like is a bit in uh, Age of Ultron where Tony Stark's talking about like oh you know things happening here but up there and he points to the roof and he's like that's the end game and you're like oh I wonder if they knew back then that Kevin Feige had this well planned out <laughs> and this uh, remember in the the trailer for Infinity War there was a shot of Thanos he's talking about like oh you know the, the you know juggling the fate of the universe has its toll but this does put a smile on my face and there's a bit of him. 
like it's, it's shot kind of framed the same way almost of Obadiah Stan here closing his fist with the gauntlet like the way he's crushing the helmet I was wondering because they're both big bald guys um, it just seems like oh I wonder if there was some kind of like correlation but like well this is where it began and this is where it's gonna end and all this kind of thing or if it's just me wildly reading way way too much into this kind of thing well I, I would like to think that the all the different team involved with this whole this whole franchise that they've created, this whole world, I'd like to think that they are kind of communicating and having these sorts of conversations and, you know, just in little nods like that, I'd like to think that they do put in because it it does end up feeling like a nice little uh, uh, payoff for something that it's not like they were intentionally setting it up way back in Iron Man 10, 11 years before uh, Infinity War and Endgame came out, but it still is a nice callback to it. And mm. it, it you know, it helps kind of I you know tie everything and kind of yeah. create this. So don't think that nice line universe. even in like I don't think it's in Infinity War. I think that was just for the trailer. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me though if they were like, well, we need to sort of indicate that there's a yeah correlation and the the, the ending of an era and stuff. And if they just look back in Iron Man one, it's like, oh no, if we could set up a shot because that shot is Thanos closing his fist is a bit like that. Maybe we could do a thing like that or something, but. Um, right, right. right. At, at, at that point, though, they're like, we could put anything in this damn trailer, and people will be excited. <laughs> right. <so. laughs> right. Exactly. I have a logistical question about the Ironmonger suit because we we see him in it now. Obviously, this suit is much bigger than than Jeff Bridges is. Um, do you think that it's kind of like? Do you think his arms are extended? It's it's it really hard to tell because he's wearing his little black jumpsuit. Um, are his arms extended into like the Ironmongers, like into kind of the shoulder areas, or is he operating it kind of like the uh, kind of like Ripley operates the the lifter that she operates in Aliens, where his arms are probably at his sides, controlling little um, levers that are making everything move. And I, I think that they're at the side because I think if he had them out extended, it would just be way too uncomfortable for way too long a period of time. Right. Yeah, you'd have to be holding them almost like, you know, wings out yeah. <laughs> the side the whole time. I actually prefer to think of it more like Penny Parker in in uh, the spider suit, because <laughs> <laughs> if we were to really cut inside, it wouldn't be so much like the HUD on his face, but he'd be hunched over typing on a keyboard, <laughs> you know, like drinking, <laughs> taking a drink of Dr. Pepper <laughs> and then uh, eating a Hot Pocket and... Uh, that's uh, Obadiah's thing. Maybe that's why he's enjoying the suit so much. It's like, oh, I could just hang out, eat junk food. <laughs> I'm deeply <laughs> enjoying the <this> suit. <laughs> <laughs> Everything he's ever wanted. <laughs> it is funny, though, how this is his first time in this suit. And he doesn't make a single mistake. Like, he doesn't step wrong. He doesn't move his hands the wrong way. Like, it seems like he has uh, a full understanding of this suit as soon as he's stepped into it. I mean, he's really good at crushing crushing that mask. Oh, yeah. Yeah, somehow he is able to uh, navigate all of the buttons uh, uh, expertly. Mm. Uh, I, You know, time compression being what it is, I have to imagine that he's had some opportunity to train. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a kind of running thing in Marvel movies. Like, they only really need to show you them getting the hang of things when, yeah. when they yeah. have to. Like, I mean, like, even, like like Captain Marvel this is like she discovers how to fly and all of a sudden she just knows how to fly like it's just sort of do you want to have a sequence of her learning how to do it just no no just don't have time for that just go straight into her knowing how to fly like 
Okay, so I guess yeah, Obadiah right. Stane also just knows exactly what he's doing with this suit the whole time. Well, and, and in so many ways, like, uh, it was Tony that was the avatar for learning how to do things for us. Like, we got so much of that up front in the very beginning as he's building the suit that, I don't know, at least for me, cognitively, it just fills in the blanks. Like, when I see Obadiah working the suit so expertly, I immediately think, well, clearly he's had the same kind of time to, to do this that Tony has. We just didn't get to see it. I, I know what that's like. I don't need to see it again. I would love to see scenes of Jeff Bridges doing those flight tests and stuff, though. <laughs> totally. Just that gravelly thing. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Bridges, uh, his experience on this movie was, uh, you know, it was kind of up and down, I think. I think he enjoyed the idea of it, but I think because they were dealing with so many changes in the script throughout the course of it, and his villain went from a uh, not not the final villain to uh, the intentions were to have him continue in the later film to all of a sudden being the major villain, not only being the major villain, but also getting set up to uh, to die, which we'll uh, which we'll talk about next uh, next time. But um, but also uh, he talked about just kind of the this the sense of, uh, you know, being in this film that that uh, it was it, because of the nature of the, all the changes and stuff. It didn't feel very at least for him from his perspective, it didn't feel quite as much like a like a kind of that family and stuff. He did um, a film a few years earlier called The Amateurs. Uh, it was a very indie film, and it was he was one of the characters, and they were a bunch of people in a small town who decide for whatever reason that they're just going to make a porn film, and it's uh, something that they just decide to do. I can't. I, I saw it, and I really can't remember much about it. It didn't stick with me, but I listened to like a a, a, a documentary that they did after the fact about it, and he was talking about the difference in his his time on that film and the kind of the family atmosphere that he had there versus here. He said, um, on that film, they started this thing where, um, he would just kind of, you know, on set, he would just go, Oh, and everybody else would kind of go home and they would just kind of have this weird, like set wide, like moment of like Zen meditation, <laughs> which everybody thought was really funny. And it just built this camaraderie on the amateurs. And he talked about how, when he was making Iron Man and it was this particular scene when he's on set and he's in this ironmonger suit up on this, in this roof set. And, and he tried that. He said he tried it where he just kind of, you know, he just goes home in front of everybody and everybody just kind of turned and stared at him. And he just like, eh, never mind. <laughs> just like, that, that didn't go over so well. Uh, you, know? you try stuff, right? Yeah, right. I do know we, I just, I love the idea of him though, in this particular ironmonger suit, having this little moment of Zen meditation. But you know, it's so funny. Like I've never seen that movie, but I'm looking at this cast in addition to Jeff Bridges, Tim Blake Nelson, Joe Pantoliano, Ted Danson, William Finchner, Patrick Fugit, John Hawks. I'm sorry, man, but if there was ever a better cast to like jump in on the ohm, I haven't seen it. These guys are wired for it. And there aren't as many of those guys out there as maybe Jeff thinks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you guys haven't seen uh, on the, the Facebook today. There's um there's a comment section going crazy. I don't know if you guys are like friends with Neil Brown from uh, the Mogwai Minute. But uh, he, he posed the no. question, uh, like, who's better, Kurt Russell or Jeff Bridges? And uh, sad to report, there's about 60 comments in this thing. It's a whole big thing going on. 
but uh, hmm. Jeff Jeff's on the ropes. Like people really love Kurt Russell in comparison to Jeff Bridges for some reason. Wow, which is crazy to me because I'm like, well, Kurt Russell is all right, but like you know, Jeff Bridges, is, you know, he's the dude. Like he's awesome. Everyone loves him. <laughs> Are they talking specifically about their performances in the MCU films or just at, in general? No, just in general. Just as just as oh, interesting. Um, and it was a weird thing too because uh, I do know people. Uh, and it was even weird because I was looking into did a quick skim of the, the Jeff Bridges IMDb and went into his like trivia section, and they're saying that um, he and uh, Nick Nolte were considered to be the leads in Heat, and it's like Nick Nolte, Jeff Bridges, and Val Kilmer. It's like those guys are so kind of they look so damn similar. There's a thing going on in Hollywood, but like I know people who can't tell the difference between. Uh, Jeff Bridges, Gary Busey, Nick Nolte, and then Kilmer's like the kind of younger, hotter version of them, I guess as well. <laughs> but this, uh, it would have been that struck me. It's like that would have been crazy. That would have been like friggin' like a warped version of like oh, they're fighting the same person basically because <laughs> Bridges and and then Kurt Russell comes in that as well because Kurt Russell with a beard does kind of look like Jeff Bridges with a beard. It's like it's something about these that that those guys that face they're all kind of. Maybe I'm going crazy over here. <laughs> well, it's like they've become their own archetype, you know, like their own archetype of this guy of this age with this look, with this amount of gray. And it it's almost creating a sort of cast, mm. you know, in the in in this this kind of character in these movies. Yeah, I totally see it. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get the disdain for Bridges, but I don't think there's a disdain for Bridges. I think it's just that the people prefer Kurt Russell, which is like, I mean, but but I mean, I don't know who who is in that that uh, Facebook group, but I mean, I think some of that is if it's kind of uh, kind of the Marvel fan type of people. I think Kurt Russell certainly has a lot more of the mm-hmm. types of films that they're going to gravitate to, like you know the. Uh, Escape from New York and you know, all the John Carpenter movies. Whereas, I think Jeff Bridges has a fantastic career, and certainly the dude I think figures prominently into that. But otherwise, it's like you know Tron and Capex. It's not mm. like he's got a big library of kind of the the uh, more of those kind of genre types of films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He does like that's the thing. Like I think even at the time. The fact that Jeff Bridges was in, it, was in this kind of threw me a bit because, like, I revere Jeff Bridges. Like, oh, yeah, like, you know, um, they call it, like, Cutter's Way and stuff like that. Like, uh, keep thinking of the last picture show. Like, these sort of, like, yeah, he's, like, yeah. he's like, a new Hollywood guy. So I know like, right. a lot of these guys do get into these, like, friggin' Robert Redford shows up in, uh, like, you know, Winter Soldier and stuff. Yeah. But I did always think that that's very odd that, like, uh, Jeff Bridges has been like, yeah. And I also... I kind of always wonder with a lot of the guys in the early MCU movies, if they ever kicked themselves that they didn't hang on to maybe they would have got a bigger part later on or something. Like Mads Mikkelsen could be like, <laughs> oh, now that like they got the rights to like the Fantastic Four back, like I could have been Doctor Doom if I just hung on for a little bit. But now I'm, now I'm never going to be. You know? <laughs> but, right, right. Like, oh, what if Jeff Bridges was ever like, I could have been, I could have been Thanos. But then Jeff Bridges probably wouldn't have wanted to be Thanos. <laughs> He'd just be like, oh, no, I'm, I kind of regret doing this movie as it is, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he was in kind of a frustrating place in the MCU, I think, where they were still figuring it out, largely, as they were putting this film together. I, I think that they did 
everything right as far as putting this film together. But I think as an actor in the process, I think it just made it more frustrating for him. And he even says, like, uh, he's got a, a quote. He did a Facebook Q&A where he says, when I was hired on, it was scripted that Obadiah would live, that when they opened up his Ironmonger suit, he was not in it. Then they decided to kill my kill my ass off, telling me it's a comic book fantasy, so who knows, your character could come back. Mm. I guess we'll see. But I, I, I doubt that's going to happen. Nah, I don't think there's enough... Um... I don't think that the fans are out there like banging on Marvel's doors for the return of Obadiah. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. So we do have. Uh, so as he kind uh, of gets ready to take on uh, uh, Tony, who's now kind of slowly getting up, we cut back to Pepper and we see her push pushing buttons. Still, she pushes the nitrogen coolant pump, the palladium gas. We don't see her push ammonium hydroxide and helium gas, but I, she must at some point because they are glowing like the other switches. And again, just further proof that Pepper really knows what she's doing as she kind of goes through all this, getting everything set for for Tony. And uh, it's I, I think it's it's nice to see. And it, it, I think it's I think they've structured this whole sequence in a really interesting way to have Tony literally like up on the roof, the glass roof directly over her. So it's it's kind of created an interesting. Uh, dynamic that we have here yeah and then uh, and then we have obadiah open fire and uh he starts shooting and tony so what do you guys think about this this uh the way that tony's arm his gauntlet flares open like he he kind of uh i don't know whatever he does and the whole thing kind of opens up exposing all of the inner circuitry and everything weirdly not exposing his arm at all <laughs> but to to deflect the bullets how, how does that work for you guys well, I I just think that there are questions for me about it. Like, is this intentional or what, are we supposed to believe that it's intentional? Or was this some other function like for flight or some other weapon type of a thing that he's using to protect his face? I just I just don't don't get it. It doesn't look protective. It looks very much like innards and gears that that he is using. He's using this sort of off off label Um uh, it, it's a cool look. It's just kind of a surprise because everything else that we've seen him, you know, sort of manifest with the suit has a specific purpose. Like the the little spinny thing on his hip becomes the the flares when he when he's in flight. Like things that are puzzling usually have an answer, and we never had any setup for this particular thing. Uh, it's like totally new. Mm. So I don't know. I think it, would you think it would have been better had he it been. You know, conveyed that yes, it is a thing he opens up so he can you know uh, fidget with the you know technical things inside there and stuff, and then they right. convey that by he actually does take like a bullet to the arm, like just one. So right, you, you, right. you get the idea, like oh no, that that's not there because it's a it's not part of the weaponry. It is just a like it's, it's like he's opened the flap basically. Yes, exactly. And then the flap, like the next sequence, when when Obadiah shoots all the glass, like the flap is already retracted uh, as he falls. Um, and I, I don't know if that's just, you know, short on time or whatever, but it, it's just one of those like it's it is a puzzle to me that I, I never really noticed or thought about until Andy had to point it out. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. And there's the curse of the movies by minute <laughs> analysis of like, well, I never thought about it before, but now I got to think about <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> now it's all I've got. Exactly. I don't know. Andy, does it work for you? I, you know, it does because it looks cool. It does look cool. 
that's why I buy into it. I, I feel that he's he's intentionally doing it with parts that aren't meant to do this, but he's doing it just for the because he has nothing else to protect himself with. Yep. And it's not going to, um, you know, it's going to mess up his circuitry and he probably won't be able to use his his flight stabilizer and his repulsor in his hand. Uh, because of it, but I do end up finding that it's it's so interesting and it's quick thinking on Tony's part that I end up buying into it. I think it just it sells. You know, I think they sell it for me. I would have loved to have seen him in that initial flight over Afghanistan. I would have loved to have seen him deploy this as a means to do some crazy acrobatic in in midair. You know what I mean? Like a quick turn against the jets or something that would have at least set up that this is a thing that exists. And it's not for what he's using it for now, but it exists and and it's a part of the suit that Mm. we're proud of and we're going to show off. It'd be like in... um... Like in RoboCop, when he has the little spike that comes out that's actually like a USB port, but he uses it to stab totally. uh, <laughs> you know, exactly. in the throat and stuff. You could have done something like that. Yeah, yeah, you have it used earlier to be like, this is what the thing is. <laughs> the longest USB port they've ever invented. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, I do agree. I mean, it would have been nice to have seen him using it in some other capacity at some point. Yeah. Um, it's, it's tricky because I feel like then it would have that setup payoff, and we would have been it would have been kind of that nice uh, payoff to see him use it that way. But at the same time, um, the, it becomes a complete surprise, and it becomes like, oh, cool! Like I didn't know his suit could do that. It, it becomes a moment in the fact that it's just happening for the first time. Hmm. Well, and that thing though, that there's always the danger though of like uh, you can just make a suit do anything. Then if you're gonna like. Yeah, it, it feels right. a bit more like the thought of through if they have like no, this was the thing we introduced earlier, and then here he is using it practically later on. Whereas yeah. you could go into like um, you know, Doctor Who's sonic screwdriver territory. It was like it does everything. Like it's just the only yeah. thing it doesn't do yeah. is the stuff you haven't seen it do yet. Like that's the you know, the, you know it, it kind of becomes like yeah, Tony Stark's suit can just but they'll get there. Yeah, but <laughs> exactly. You know, now we're talking about nanobots, right? Like I just. I'm uh, we're going to talk about that in like 15 years, but it is it's a thing that that maybe if you're a big fan of this suit, that you're not crazy about those little surprises. Yeah. I mean, there's little things like um, you could say that maybe there's a correlation between uh, this scene and again in Infinity War when, you know, Thanos rips off his helmet and then he instantly has another one disappear. Like, because that's, yeah. that's the level of technology and stuff. You could say that maybe it's because he's learned from this, the, you know, experience with Obadiah saying It's like, I need to have a backup helmet in case one gets torn off. That's great. So speaking of setup and payoff, that's actually a, a really nice one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 22 true. years, 22 movies in the making. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have Obadiah who, who shoots out the rest of the glass, which is, uh, uh, I, I, again, could it be a diehard? Not, uh, who knows as far as what uh, Favreau is working on as far as referencing but it is kind of fun to see him just Obadiah just shooting out all the glass he's decided you know I'm going to make this as complicated as I can for Tony I'm going to shoot it all out and uh, if I hit Tony great if I make it hard for him to get off of this roof great I'm just going to that's my plan right now I'm just going to shoot everything it, this it causes great anxiety for me be, because we cut then to Pepper being showered in shards <laughs> of glass and then she looks up and I love the shot but Oh, my God, I can't let go of the tiny splinters of glass falling into her eyeballs. Oh, yeah. I don't like it. 
Like, shouldn't you wait another se- a few mm, seconds until just you're... A, exactly. <laughs> At least put like, your, your palm up over your eyes or something yeah. like while you're looking up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on, Pepper. Uh, it is a great shot, though. I love that uh, that bird's eye view shot we have looking straight down at her. It's it's like the, the broken glass perspective <laughs> yeah, staring down right. at her as she's, <laughs> right. as she's looking at Tony dangling directly above her. Now, had we only done a crash zoom into her eyeball, that would have finished it. <laughs> Weirdly, we see on the desk right next to Pepper as she's looking straight up, there is, uh, I don't know if it's a, a piece of a gear or whatever from Dallas Avionics Incorporated, which is an actual company. And I don't know how they fit in with arc reactor technology. I'm not 100% sure why they would be there. According to their website, uh, they were founded in 1973 as a wholesale distributor of aircraft electronics, test equipment, installation supplies, and avionics. Maybe, I don't know. I, I really have no idea why it would be in the arc reactor room. I could buy that this would be like downstairs in the Ironmonger dungeon because of potentially something that they were using to kind of install some avionics in suit. But it doesn't make sense in context of the of the arc reactor. I mean, it's an energy device. You know what What else they do? They make cooling systems. I wonder, and fans, cooling fans. I wonder if they just, they installed a cooling fan. <laughs> That's the level of there. Mm. Uh-huh. I'm just, I'm trying to reach for you, man. <laughs> that would make more sense. I would buy that then. They also have antennas, couplers, and diplexers. I'll bet that has something to do with it. I Well, I feel like a lot of that fits in with the avionics. Like, I, I feel like it's all going to somehow tie into flight systems. But I know, they look all like antenna stuff. Yeah. So then we get, you know, full-on super villainy dialogue now. Where, like, you know, the Obadiah comes out with, you know, how ironic, Tony. And, like, no one in real life ever says how ironic anymore. Like, it's just too, it's too much of a cliche <laughs> for the world. You could only say it ironically, basically, <laughs> to get that right. across. <laughs> I, my question for that was, why why does Obadiah seem so out of breath right here? Like, he, he seems like he's been running around the block. Yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. Like, is it that hard to operate the suit where, I mean, he is, like, plum-tuckered out, this guy. <laughs> Maybe he does have, like, when he's shooting, he does have to keep, like, like really grip the trigger or something. And it's just, there's a lot of strain on his arm or something. <laughs> he's an old man as well. Let's, let's, let's face it. <laughs> it's like it's like a bicycle in there. He actually has to pedal to make it work. It's like a Flintstone suit where he's actually, like, pedaling to keep the energy up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, because his arc reactor isn't as good as Tony's, so he has to add a little pedal power. <laughs> or the connection's not as good, because it's, it's it's the better arc reactor. We have to remember, he's got the better one. In That's history. right, he does. He just didn't figure out how it fits, so he uses pedal power. <laughs> pedal power, Tony! <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing a cross-section of this suit that incorporates all of the changes that I feel like I've made to it. It's a pedal-powered Penny Parker suit with a microwave for Hot Pockets <laughs> and more cup holders and Jeff Bridges. <laughs> and Jeff Bridges. It was, was like mid-eating Hot Pocket as he's like, just, oh, 
our yeah. <laughs> exactly. Considering the food, uh, the food uh, situations we've had between Obadiah and Tony, that would have been so perfect because earlier Tony's chowing down on on hamburgers and he won't share with Obadiah, <laughs> and then Obadiah keeps bringing him pizza and like takes it away from him. <laughs> it would be perfect if he's like eating a hot pocket here and he says, "Oh, you want one of these? Well, too bad, they're all mine." <laughs> Suck it, Tony. Uh, that scene of, of Tony with those cheeseburgers, though, like that every time that gets me. Oh, I could I could go for a cheeseburger actually right now like that's right i feel like i need to approach this every this movie every time with a bag of cheeseburgers beside me but i won't be able to touch it until like 40 minutes into the thing right <laughs> just to be ready got to be prepared but yeah we hit uh, the end of this minute kind of mid monologue um i don't think i have anything else uh for this minute uh i f- feel like we can talk about the rest of it tomorrow what about you guys no that's 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 me i'm good here all right well niall again thanks for joining us today Oh, thanks for having me. More than, more than happy to, to pop in. Would you like to uh, remind everybody where they can find you and learn more about your show? Uh, yeah, I'm the co-host of Bat Minutes, uh, where we're doing this, what you guys are doing uh, with the Tim Burton Batman movies, and we'll be doing shortly with the Joel Schumacher movies. Uh, and you can just, if you just Google Bat Minute, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be the thing you'll find. And if you're on any kind of social <laughs> network or anything like that, we're, I think we're on all of them, so... Just, yeah, just type in Batman. You should find us. I hope. Anyway. Just search. It's out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. This only needs the show name. I say that, though, and then right. people could be like emailing me going, like, what the hell you say that for? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, everybody, that is it for today's show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at thenextreel.com slash Patreon. Until next time, true believers. Hold up. 